This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in to the local angle right here on FanDuel TV. I'm JJ Janczy-Stremski, the host of New York, New York on the Ringer Podcast Network. And we begin this Monday local angle with a conflicted Sunday of New York football. And what could have been for the New York Giants up in Buffalo, 15 and a half point underdogs, and had every chance and had every opportunity to go and shock the world and beat the Buffalo Bills and all of a sudden change the narrative, feel, look, mood, vibe of their particular season. The Giants did not capitalize. And instead of them talking about a win that's a season saver, you're talking about an opportunity squandered for a team that is now one in five on the year. And it's pretty simple to why the Giants did not find a way to win this game against the Buffalo Bills on a day in which the Bills looked very flat. The Bills looked rather lethargic after losing a game in London, deciding not to take their bye, not having Matt Milano in the lineup. Like you could sense from Jump Street that something was off for the Buffalo Bills. And the Giants, they have to get torched and embarrassed in Miami and get torched and embarrassed by Seattle. It came to play today. But you can't survive in the NFL. Two possessions where you have the ball at the one-yard line at the end of the first half and at the end of the game, and you come away with zero points. Can't win a game that way against a whole lot of opponents. You sure as hell cannot win a game like that when you're a 15 and a half point dog, when you have all of the offensive issues, when you have all of the offensive line issues, you can't mis- make mistakes like that. And if you make mistakes like that, it's going to come back to bite you in the butt. What happened for the Giants at the end of the first half is completely inexcusable. You have no timeouts. You have a six nothing lead. Minimum. You have to come away with a field goal to make that a nine nothing game. For Tyrod Taylor to check into a running play and for Saquon Barkley to run it into the line of scrimmage, you don't have time to spike the football. Then all of a sudden the time runs out. You're not coming away with any points. You got Brian Dable screaming at his quarterback. I don't know if it's on Tyrod Taylor. I don't know if it's Brian Dable just why even giving him the option to run that particular play in that particular spot. So you can blame whoever you want. Blame coach, blame quarterback, blame offensive coordinator, be my guest. That can't happen 
And it did happen for the Giants. I'll take it a step further. This game progresses, and the Giant defense did as good a job in this game as they possibly could have done. Their linebackers made plays. They generated pressure. Allen was out of sorts. Wink Barndale, give him credit. Brilliant, terrific defensive game plan today. But that defense is starting to spring a couple weeks, second half of the game, as to be expected. You can't expect in a modern-day NFL, a defense is going to go and basically go and pitch a shutout. You have a fourth-to-one situation. Why are you kicking a field goal? To give yourself a two-point lead with the way that game is going, with the way Buffalo is starting to find their footing, and the fact that the Giants haven't scored a touchdown in forever, get the first down. And sure enough, Buffalo goes right down the field and scores a touchdown. But then, even with all that being said, there's a chance for the Giants at the end of regulation. Tyler Bass misses a field goal. Poor clock management from Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills. And Tyron Taylor, who I got to give credit to today, he looked confident. He was decisive. He got the ball out of his hands quickly. We know how putrid the giant offensive line has been. It didn't look half bad in this game. Or at least the quarterback masked some of the deficiencies and the problems. He's getting it out quick. He was aggressive down the field. Still couldn't put the ball in the end zone, which is a story for a different day. But Tyrod Taylor gets a chance to go and win the game. They're marching it down the field. They get the pass interference call with time expiring or with one second to go. And they get one shot at the one-yard line. After the first flag is thrown, the officials clearly didn't want to throw a second flag on Darren Waller. Now, for what it's worth, it was clear defensive holding. It was clear pass interference. And for what it's worth, I think if it's the tight end that plays in Kansas City that dates a certain uh, megastar by the name of Taylor Swift, I-, I-, I think he's getting that call. That's just my two cents. But I don't want to hear the Giant fan bellyaching about the officials and why they lost the game because of officiating. That's nonsense. Maybe have a better play design. Maybe roll out Tyrod Taylor. Maybe don't run a high-risk, high-reward type of play. Don't make this game about the officiating today. One-yard line, score touchdown. At the end of the first half and at the end of the game. And this is the sort of game that the Giants would have found a way to win in 2022. It is the sort of game they are losing now in 2023. And that's why, unfortunately, for Giant fans, the team is one and five on the year. And not the two and four would have been anything to celebrate about. But with the schedule easing up a little bit, would have given you a lot more of a lifeline. Now the Giant season still very much remains on life support for the foreseeable future. Now that's it for the other New York football team in town. Oh, baby, the New York Jets are alive and kicking. And for the first time in the history of the New York Jet franchise, they found a way to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. A game in which it felt for three and a half quarters, this hard-fought, spirited, impressive performance by the Jet defense without their two top corners. No Sauce Gardner. No DJ Reed. Defensive line generating pressures left and right. Jermaine Johnson. Huff. Up and down the line, you had guys disrupting and getting after Jalen Hurts and making him feel uncomfortable. And the Eagles played a very 
sloppy type of football game. But for the most part, you're thinking, all right, late in the fourth quarter, it's all for naught. They played a good game. They played close, but no cigar. But you're going to be talking about a loss. To get the third down, holy blank, what are you doing, Jalen Hurts? Interception that's basically returned inside the 10-yard line is the sort of game-changing defensive play that has been lacking from previous Jet defenses. And this year, whether it was Whitehead in week one against the Buffalo Bills, whether it was Quincy Williams last week against the Denver Broncos, or it's Adams this game against the Philadelphia Eagles, those plays are being made. And you're seeing how potent and how top-notch and simply put, how elite. Not 85 Bears elite, DJ Reed, but this Jet defense, when healthy, it's top five defense in the league as far as I'm concerned. Look at what they did to Josh Allen in week one. Look at the way even in a loss they were able to contain and hold Patrick Mahomes a few weeks ago on Sunday Night Football and then watch what they were able to do to Jalen Hurts with the game on the line against the Philadelphia Eagles. Jet defense went one of the game. Now, you had some wackiness and zaniness about, oh, should they let him score? Should they not let him score? Did the Jets know? Did they not know? Well, the Eagles might have let him score. But it allowed the Jet defense once again to go and make a big stop and make a big play, and that's exactly what they did. They won the game. So now, the New York Jets, who, let's be honest, even with Aaron Rodgers, would have looked at this first six-game slate within their schedule. Buffalo, at Dallas, New England, which obviously is a much easier game than we anticipated and ended up being a loss for the New York Jets, which might come back to bite them. At the Broncos, home Chiefs, home Eagles. Think about this for a minute. Even if they had Aaron Rodgers, I think you would have signed on the dotted line for being 3-3 three and three at this point of the year. They don't have Aaron Rodgers. Yes, some things have changed. The Jets are 3-3 three and three going into their bye week before they're going to take on the New York Giants a couple weeks from now at MetLife Stadium. What Jet fan wouldn't have signed for that after losing to New England and falling to 1-2 and two on the year? Do the Jets have things to work on offensively? Of course they do. Their red zone inefficiency is unacceptable. The lack of touches that continue to be not coming the way of Brees Hall continue to be an issue. It's an offense that's far from perfect. And that's why you're going to have some Jet fans wishing and hoping that Aaron Rodgers was fooling around a little bit, throwing the football about a month after tearing his Achilles, getting off the crutches. Oh, this is going to accelerate the return, blah, blah, blah. Let's let, let's hope that December matters for the New York Jets and what they were able to do in stealing this game against Philadelphia, which to me is the biggest win in the Robert Sala era for the New York Jets against the NFC champ, a game they had no business getting. They kind of snatched it from their opponent in stunning fashion. It allows the Jets to have a season here. We talked about the Denver game allowing them to breathe a little bit. Now at three and three, Jet fans can start paving the path to how this team 
can get to that nine or that 10 or that 11 win plateau. And I think in the AFC, 10 is the number. I always like looking at 10 wins as that sort of benchmark for playing January postseason football. You got one that maybe you didn't think you were going to get 24 hours ago. So you can start mapping out where those next seven wins are coming for Robert Sala and company, where this defense is going to have to continue to do their thing, making game-changing type of plays. It's been a theme in the early going, and it was most certainly the scene in snatching a victory from the Eagles. Eagles probably sitting there saying to themselves on Sunday, how in the world did we lose this game? Well, coming up next, our friends over at the Philly Special are going to give us a detailed look from a Philadelphia perspective to what transpired in those final couple of minutes for Jalen Hurts, for Nick Sirianni, and an Eagle team that's probably saying, I can't believe we just lost our first game of the year in that sort of way. Philly Special crew, they will have a much different spin on what happened at MetLife Stadium. That's coming your way next. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Ringers, Philly Special. And to those of you watching on FanDuel TV, Sheil Kapati here with Ben Solak and ace producer Cliff Augustine. Benjamin, we're not used to having post-game pods where we're not discussing an Eagles win. With about two minutes left, I didn't think we were going to have a podcast uh, or, or a post-game reaction here talking about an Eagles loss. But here we are. The mm-hmm. Eagles just gift wrap it, put a nice bow on it, and said, Mr. Robert Sala, here you go. Jets 20. Eagles 14, Eagles somehow find a way to lose this game, fall to five and one on the season. How are you feeling, my friend? Yeah, we've done, this is our 26th Eagles postgame pod together, counting mm. regular and postseason, not counting uh, preseason. And this is our third after a loss pod. <laughs> oh do, we, do we know how to do this? Are we sure? Are we sure? No, wait, that's not true. That's not true. It's our fourth, right? It's our third Jalen Hurts played and they lost the game pod. That's what it is specifically. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is... um. This is, I don't know, I don't know how you're supposed to start these, but here we are. Uh, yeah, like there's, there's two equally valid roads to go down on a loss like this. One is we turned the ball over four times and Lane Johnson went down and Bradley Roby went down. We had injuries and, and that, you know, turnover differential, bad news. We had the game. We had control over it. Jalen Hurst throws a pick. Like you can, this is a wave away game and that's pretty successful. And there's a legit argument for that. And then there's also some stuff that's not wave away stuff that we've been talking about even during the wins. And that road's got some validity to it, too. So you can go full panic or you can go nowhere near the panic button. I think both cases have merit. Well, let's start with the final two minutes. I mean, 150 left in the game. Eagles are up 14-12. They have a third and nine from their own 46. 
only thing you cannot do in this situation is turn the ball over. You take a sack. That's okay. Jets have no timeouts at that point. You run the clock, you punt, you see if Zach Wilson can lead his team into field goal range, which he was not able to do for most of the day. Uh, So you can punt there. Obviously, you want to convert. They're aggressive. They call a pass play. I'm fine with that. Jalen Hurst looks for Dallas Goddard. I think Nick Sirianni said he thought it was quarters coverage. Uh, You have two, I guess, uh, underneath defenders there on either side of Dallas Goddard. Jalen Hurts is just kind of staring it down. He gets nothing on the throw. Tony Adams picks it off and the Jets score. Uh, that play specifically where you shot, I mean, we have not, I don't think we've seen a play like that from Jalen Hurts, certainly in the last two years. What, what was your reaction? What was your take on that turnover? Biggest play of the game. Sirianni called those quarters? Uh, he, That's not listen, the imp- hold on. Sirianni, I don't know. He was all kinds of flustered. He could have been thinking about a play in the first quarter. That's what he said. That's not me telling you that it was quarters. I'm telling you what he said. He couldn't yeah. remember plays. His beard was gone. He looked like a man who needed to get a good night's rest. Yeah, the beard, the shave, I think. If we're talking That's about the real reason, Eagles right? This game, yeah. The shave. I don't know. <laughs> if Philly's just made the NLCS, what are we doing shaving right now? Uh Hurts, uh, I, you remember that Colts game last year where the Eagles had a game-winning drive and they did it with like a huge bomb DPI and then they largely just ran the ball. And we came on here and we had a debate about, okay, why did the Eagles run their two-minute drive like that? Where like they didn't really actually throw the ball that much and, 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 and they were running it and teams don't usually run it that much in this context. And it was a, just a question about like, how does this offense work and what do they trust Hurts to do? After that game, we barely saw any two-minute drive opportunities for the Eagles, right? Like, they rarely ended up in those environments. They're usually in that four-minute drive environment that we talked about so much in the last pod, their ability to salt away these games, right? Well, this was a two-minute drive spot, and that felt like a young quarterback, which Hurts isn't a young quarterback anymore. He's got, like, 50 career starts at this point. But still, like, you know, a a guy who hasn't been in that environment very much, a guy who hasn't been trying to drive a a two-minute drill sort of a position making just like a, a knuckleheaded mistake. And they weren't even into it at drill. They were winning a game. Like you didn't, the, the, you just so did not have to throw the football. And uh, uh, to do so from a clean pocket and not even a pressure pocket, which he'd been dealing with for much of the game, to do so forcing the ball to Dallas Goddard, who like they've had issues getting the ball to Goddard. It's not even like he was just yamming it to AJ Brown. Like As perplexing of a decision and a throw as I can remember Jalen Hurts making. The number one thing we say about Hurts on this podcast is how cool he is under pressure how calm and collected he is, how he doesn't make those mistakes. The, the Eagles lost this game for a myriad of reasons, but that was the play that swung the win percentage, right? When you go and you look at ESPN's win probability, the Eagles were above 50%, went to way below 50% real quick on that play. So uh, a huge, huge mistake from Jalen Hurts, who felt like he just panicked in a moment that he was not familiar with and not comfortable with. Yeah, it, it, was, it was just a stunner. Like you watched it and you watched the replay and it felt so out of character for, for what we've seen from Jalen Hurts in that spot. I mean, usually if he doesn't like it, he scrambles again. This was a fine time to scramble and bail and go down and let punt the clock run. and let the clock run. I mean, that's like, and he know, I mean, he usually knows, uh, knows that in this situation, he, he forces it in there, turns the ball over. So the Jets score. And then Ben, listen, the Eagles still had a, like a good chance. I mean, you have a $50 million quarterback with 146 left and two timeouts, and you need to score a touchdown? Listen, Chiefs fans are feeling good. Bills, like, if you have, if you have the quarterback you want to have, you're feeling like you have a great shot in that situation. It doesn't mean you're always going to make it happen, but you want to see better than four plays and no first downs. I mean, that was, yeah. maybe it goes to your point that they haven't had the reps, but uh, four plays here. Jalen Hurts, bad throw on uh, A.J. Brown on a crosser. That's incomplete on first down. 
Uh, second down, Hertz escapes pressure. Jack Driscoll, the right tackle who was in for Lane Johnson, he gets killed on the play. Hurts uh, fires to Devontae Smith, and Jordan Whitehead breaks it up. That's second down. Third down, short completion to Devontae Smith. Uh, Mark Sanchez was saying he thought maybe Devontae Smith should have sat there uh, rather than continuing with the crosser against zone coverage. Either way, it's a two-yard completion. Uh, and then you have fourth down where Hertz fires one downfield to Devontae Smith late on the throw. They only showed one replay. It looked like maybe if that ball's out earlier, you have a chance to Devontae Smith. By the time the ball got out there with Jalen Hurts, yeah. it looks like a Hail Mary basically into double coverage. We're like, it's only fourth and eight. It's not fourth and 38 uh, right there. Uh, that last sequence, what stood out to you there? Yeah, no, I, agree with, I agree with all of that. I think that uh, at that point, the, the, the Jets were so clearly hunting Driscoll. And it, I feel bad for Jack Driscoll for two reasons. One, he's replacing Lane Johnson. I promise you, he's not as bad as he looks. Like, he really, when you watch other He started backup, 13 games and yeah. he's played like well before. Yeah, I agree with you. When, he's getting killed a little bit. When you watch other much. backup tackles in the league and then yeah, watch Jack 100%. Driscoll, Jack Driscoll's clearly better. He's also <laughs> stepping in for Lane Johnson, who like hasn't given up a sack since I was in high school or something. Like, it's just I was going to say since you were alive, but yeah, that's probably true. Right. And the Eagles just don't, um, even when the Eagles had like Shane Steichen and when, when Nick Sirianni was calling plays, even like going back to Doug Peterson, it always felt like the Eagles would struggle to help tackles when they went down, when they had backups in. And, and in this offense, especially the Jalen Hurts offense, they're just so spread oriented. They, they don't really have good responses to like, all right, we need to get chip help on this tackle. They just leave Driscoll out there. And, and I think a more experienced offensive coordinator, I think if Shane Steichen were in this role, they would have had better responses than Brian Johnson did, who Johnson kind of was just like, oh, this is tough, isn't it? And then just kind of kept it, kept it chugging and, and schematically didn't make a lot of the changes. Eagles shut out in the second half. I think a huge part of that is uh, uh, Salah and that Jets defense saying, we know you're one weak point and Johnson really not knowing how to hide it. Uh, but that I feel bad for Driscoll because he's replacing Lane, and I think the Eagles aren't great at helping their tackles when they need to. With that said, he got beat around the bo- beat up around a couple of really key spots. That final drive being one of them, the Jalen Hurts interception, the second one that he threw. Jermaine Johnson puts a great rush on him. He just gets tossed to the side. Yeah, Hurts Hurts is not the best pocket manager and needs to do a better job. I think knowing where his liability is. But Driscoll, it's just you get thrown into action against one of the best fronts in the league. And and OC-wise, they're just not as good adjusting on the fly as they could have been. He was just a constant liability. They were constantly attacking him. I'm confident that if Driscoll has to play like several weeks, he'll play better than this week over week. This spot was just a real tough spot to be dropped into. And reporter Derek Gunn uh, reporting that x-rays on Lane Johnson's ankle are negative. So we don't know the extent of it, but that is at least a little uh, glimmer of good news there. For the Eagles. So yeah, Eagles don't do anything on that last drive. So minus four on turnovers, the Eagles today. Third time all season, a team has been minus four or worse. All those teams have lost. Last three seasons, teams that are minus four or worse on turnovers are one and 28. Like it's basically, yeah. impo- it's nearly impossible to win unless you're the Jaguars facing uh, Brandon Staley and the Chargers. The Eagles, the Eagles turned the ball over. They, they, were, they turned the ball over three times and were leading in the fourth quarter. Having a minus three turnover differential and having a lead in the fourth quarter is a very rare overlap in the Venn diagram, right? That's a hard that's a hard window to hit. And the turnovers, right? Like, if the Dallas Goddard screen doesn't get popped out, bumped into an interception into Quinn and Williams' lap, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, fumbles are always a little bit chaotic, even though interceptions in this game were chaotic. Uh, they've had a lot of turnover luck. They were uh, uh, leading the league after the first three weeks in turnover EPA. They weren't leading the league anymore, but they were up there. 
uh, through the first five weeks. A lot of it came crashing down right away. This is an extremely opportunistic Jets defense, and it's an attack the ball Jets defense, and and you saw them uh, rewarded for that. And so, if you're like, if you're talking about why did the Jets lose, or excuse me, why did the Eagles lose to the Jets? The number one reason is four turnovers to none. If you're talking about the Eagles' first six weeks of the season culminating in a surprising loss to the Jets, turnovers can't be the full explanation for why there's a lot of this offensive herky jerkiness at times because they've had better turnover luck in the other five games. That's why I say like, both roads are viable. Like they're going to beat the Jets in most simulations of this game because of the turnover luck and they're even leading the game after most of the turnover luck. But there's larger systemic problems that are still reflected in the fact that the Eagles, like I said, scored zero second half points. They had execution errors all over the place and they tend not to have uh, good schematic answers when they're having issues offensively. Like through the first few weeks of the season, it was hand the ball off, hand the ball off, hand the ball off, hand the ball off, offensive line, save us, offensive line, save us. All of a sudden you got Suo Peta and Jack Driscoll out there next to each other. And you're a little bit more afraid of pressing that button. And there's just not much else uh, in, in the repertoire right now. And that's where the inexperience of play call, I think really matters. Yeah. So many, so many mistakes in this game. Like you said, some of it is okay. Mistakes in this game. Some of it might be more than that, but the mistakes in this game, I mean, four turnovers, like you mentioned, you mentioned the screen to Goddard. You had a Deandre Swift fumble. You had the play where Driscoll gets beat, hurts his arm, gets hit. Uh, and he throws the interception. And then the last one, just the complete head scratcher. Uh, Sirianni did say he thought that last one is the only one he pins, um, you know, on, on Jalen Hurts. The rest, uh, he had some help there. He had a 37 yard missed field goal. Ben Solak by Jake, Jake Elliott. Elliott. What was that Jake about? That, was, that might have been the biggest shocker of the game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cover your ears. Uh, you had uh, that. Yeah. That was a big one. A, you had a special teams penalty on. Keely Ringo, that leads directly to a Jets field goal. It was like a 10-play, 16-yard drive to yeah. get into field goal range. Uh, you had Devontae Smith dropping the football, where it's like, what is going on here? Devontae Smith doesn't drop the football wide open the, in the middle of the field. I, I'm sure every Eagles fan who watched this game had has a play in their mind where they were like, oh, we're losing today? Great. That first to 15 drop of Devontae was like, oh, okay, sick, we're losing today. All right, good to know. Just get emotionally prepared. The next half is going to be terrible. <laughs> First and 15 wide open middle of the field, not even like drop, but it was a tough catch. Just pure like concentration. I don't know how I got this open and the ball's right here drop. We're just like, this is too easy. And he short, short arms it. The moment Devonta's doing that ball game, no chance we're winning. It's, <laughs> turn it in. We're finding a way to lose. Listen, I thought he might have been in cahoots with you because on the extra point taken pot on the Ringer NFL show, I, of course, had Devontae Smith 70 plus yards as my favorite long shot of the week. He makes that catch. I mean, I might be in business uh, for that. But yeah, that, that you, was uh, strange as you well. Did not, I did not, you did not need me in cahoots with anybody to beat me this week. All right. I got <laughs> washed this week on extra point taken. Uh, last thing uh, before we take a break here is the injuries. I mean, this is the big thing to keep an eye on going forward. Lane Johnson, we don't know. Jalen Carter didn't play in this game. Darius Slay didn't play in this game. Safety Reed Blankenship uh, left this game. Safety Justin Evans, who was starting for them, was put on IR. I mean, they are banged, specifically in the secondary. This team is all kinds of banged up right now. So, mm-hmm. and guess who's coming to town, Ben? It doesn't Solak. matter. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's just <laughs> the Dolphins, Shield. It's just, it's just going to be Mario Goodrich and Terrell Edmonds <laughs> against the Dolphins. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? All right, we'll talk more about that in a minute. Thanks to everyone for watching on FanDuel TV. A reminder, you can listen to the Ringers Philly special on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. To those of you listening, we'll be right back. Thanks, guys. Coming up next here on The Local Angle, we'll get a sense and a feel for what's going on in Chicago at the moment. Justin Fields goes down, the tanking bears 
They might be set up rather nicely over the next couple of months. Is that where we're headed with the Chicago Bears? Our buddy Jason Goff in the full go. Going to give us a sense and a feel right after this. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. What's happening, y'all? This is the Full Go Podcast. I'm Jason Goff. Of course, it's brought to you by the ringer. Spotify is the gang. And shout out to our FanDuel TV folks. Hello. Hey, how y'all doing out there? Keep reminding y'all, we do this every Sunday, every Tuesday, and every Thursday right here on the ringer. Uh, I got to put it to you like this. I'm in a strange place as a Bears fan. And as we are sitting here taping on a Sunday night after that atrocious, atrocious Sunday night football game between the Giants and the Buffalo Bills, nothing like the NFL to send you to bed with that kind of awful, awful, awful material. But I digress into even worse material. I don't know where to turn as a Bears fan right now because I am in a precarious position of not knowing who to blame and how to blame and why to blame. We know the importance of this Chicago Bears Vikings game here in week six, the importance Justin Fields is hurt. The report is that he's got a dislocated thumb. Now going forward, we shall see because the Tyson Bajan era has begun. There are so many people running around this city who saw Tyson Bajan go 10 for 14 for his 84 yards, two turnovers and one running score that are now thinking, we'll find out if it was the offensive line. We'll find out if it was the offensive coordinator. We'll find out if it was Justin Fields. We'll find out if it's Matt Eberflus. And like I said, I'm in a precarious position as a Bears fan because for the first time in my life, I can't pinpoint what exactly is wrong. I just know something is wrong. Matt Eberflus is now 4-19 in his Bears coaching career. is by far the worst winning percentage in the history of this hundred and some odd year old franchise, by far. We know that Matt Eberflus is not the guy going forward. Hell, Justin Fields might not be the guy going forward because the last two weeks we've seen him throw for eight touchdowns and we've patted him on the back and give him every all the pl- applaud, applause that he should, des- he should actually deserve and all the things that we know He can be. We've seen some of those flashes over the last couple of weeks. But for it to happen again, for Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears offense to stall out for two and a half quarters the way they did against a, and I'm going to say it, y'all can act like, yo, the Broncos were the bad defense. The Commanders were the bad defense. That's why he was so successful. Guess what, y'all? The Minnesota Vikings are not good. 
They're not a good defense. And Brian Flores, who I respect as a defensive mind, understands how bad that defense is. You know how you know how he knows how bad that defense is? He called blitzes on 53% of the dropback snaps for Justin Fields. That's right, 53%. Justin Fields scrambled more in this game than he has in his entire career, believe it or not. And that's including the Cleveland the Cleveland Browns game where I believe the Browns and Miles Garrett and them boys racked up nine sacks. We thought, why the hell is no one protecting the quarterback at some point run the ball? You know, you can't block it. And if you can't block it, you can't run it. You can't block it. You can't throw it. You can't run it. You can't throw it. You can't score. The bears were stuck on six for an awful long time against a mediocre to below average defense. But all Brian Flores had to do was dial up blitzes, dial up pressure, dial up confusion whether it be the quarterback contain, whether it be the mush rush, whether it be the spy, whether it be all out blitzes. There was a there was a point there where Josh Martellus, who is the safety, the safety for the Minnesota Vikings, he led the Bears. I shouldn't say the Bears. He led the Vikings in quarterback hits. He led the Vikings in court. The safety for the Minnesota Vikings hit the Bears quarterback the most out of anybody with a team with Daniil Hunter and, and Jordan Phillips and all those dudes running around. The safety. And you know what that tells me? Hey, man, you just have to wait until a poorly coached team goes up against your poor coaches so that maybe just maybe the, the talent could be the overriding factor. The NFC Offensive Player of the Week and DJ Moore had 230 yards and three touchdowns the week before. Ten days later. Ten days later, ladies and gentlemen, DJ Moore came in with a whopping here. Drum roll, please. DJ Moore, where you at? Five catches for 51 yards. For most of the game, it was two catches for five yards. For the first quarter and a half of the game, it was one catch for seven yards. That's right. His second catch, he lost two yards. You know why? Screen time. If you guys are seeing a, an organized offense, please let me know. Maybe maybe I got the wrong channel on. If you guys are seeing a third-year quarterback who should be able to recognize and properly identify blitzes and slide protections either way, please let me know because maybe I got the wrong channel on. If you guys are seeing a team, a team that feels like it can believe in something, an identity, a play, a player, then maybe I'm watching the wrong thing and I got the wrong channel on. I know those things aren't true because I know their belief isn't there. It's not there in that locker room. It's not there by the fan base. And it shouldn't be there by the coaching staff at this point. Now, the same applause that I gave this coaching staff against the Washington Commanders for getting that secondary coached up is the applause I'll give them for getting that linebacking crew coached up. I thought the key to this game, and you can go back to the last part, was the middle of the field. Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, TJ Hawkinson, that's their target. Jordan Addison, he's not Justin Jefferson. This is a game the Bears should have won. And the Bears' defense played very good football. They didn't play great football. You know why? Because they didn't get to the quarterback enough. There's a lot of one-on-ones out there that dudes just ain't winning on. Demarcus Walker, Yannick Ngakwe, um, we talked about Javon Dexter Sr. and him, you know, flashing for a couple of plays last week. Nowhere to be found. Zach Pickens and the boys, nowhere to be found. That defensive line is putrid still. Still. 
So now it's time after six weeks. Now it's time to start divvying up the snaps in a different way. There's no veteran on this team who should get uh, dibs, right? Who should get carte blanche in terms of the snap rotation and the snap count. If you can't get to the quarterback, come come find a seat next to the rest of the dudes who got the Velcro jerseys on. Because that's all the Chicago Bears pass rush has looked like through the first five, six weeks of this season. But I commend TJ Edwards for making play after play. TJ Edwards was solid out there. Tremaine Edmonds got himself what I thought was an interception off of a TJ Edwards uh, pressure and quarterback hit. Turns out it was a fumble recovery. Tremaine Edmonds made a play. First five weeks, didn't make really that many plays. Made a lot of tackles, stopped dudes from scoring seven, eight yards down the field, but didn't make many game-changing plays. So I take those things back. And even then, even in a game where you allow 19 points to a team without its best offensive weapon and arguably one of the best – no, not arguably one of the best. He is one of the best offensive weapons in the entire NFL and Justin Jefferson. You think, hey, offense, all you got to do is give me half of what you did 10 days ago against the commanders, a better defense. But guess what we didn't see again? We didn't see Luke Getze. And and, and I'll say this, too. I'm tired of watching these other NFL football games and seeing route concepts getting people open four or five times a game where they're just open, right? We're not talking NFL open. We're not talking college open. We're talking about open, open. At some point, I need to see that four or five times a game out of Luke Getze. This is now going on a year and a half now of calling plays. Luke Getzey ain't new to this, and he damn sure ain't true to this. I'm I'm really, really starting to think, what's the sense in keeping him going forward now? Other than making sure that Justin Fields has some kind of continuity in his air as a play caller. But is he hurting this team more so than he's helping it? Coming up, we head up to Boston and our buddy Brian Barrett and the Off the Pike podcast. They're not used to a one-in-five start to the year. The Patriots continue in 2023 to invent ways to lose. Our buddy from off the bike breaks it down on the local angle right here on FanDuel TV. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back in. I'm Brian Barrett from Off the Pike. And joining us now is three-time Super Bowl champ, James White. James, the Patriots dropped to one in five after a loss this afternoon to the Las Vegas Raiders, had a chance to win this game. And before we even get started here, so from 16 to 2017, Tom Brady played in 28 regular season games for you guys, because of course he had the four-game suspension. You know how many losses you guys had with Tom Brady in 28 games? Four. The Patriots have already lost five games this season. And it feels like, from my perspective, this one may be the most aggravating, just because some of these other games, you had no chance against the Cowboys. You weren't in it against the Saints. This game, you actually had a chance to win the game, And what happens? Costly penalties. And then at the end of the game, another penalty. I don't know how you get a delay of game on second down when you're trying to move the ball down the field and score. And Devontae Parker, like we've criticized Mac. I shouldn't say we. I've criticized Mac a lot this season. He did throw the perfect ball to Devontae Parker, and he can't come up with it. And I can't help but think to myself, 
Parker's the guy they wanted to sign to a contract extension. The guy on the other side of the field, Jacoby Myers, now has his fifth touchdown of the season, who the Patriots didn't want to pay. Jacoby Myers has as many receiving touchdowns as the entire Patriots team, or I should say one less. He has four. But if we count Jonu Smith, he has one in Atlanta. This one, to me, James, is just, they really had a chance. They finally had a chance to win the game, and their mistakes came back to haunt them. Yeah, it's very tough. I had a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of you know bad time penalties when you have potential of good plays or big plays. Just just let another one slip away. You know, Jimmy goes down, Hoyer comes in. Got to give credit to Hoyer. He did a a pretty good job. You know, spreading the ball around. Yeah. Had a deep, had a deep shot down the field. So I'm sure he was probably you know geeked up for that opportunity. It seems like Josh Josh has got Bill's number. Was he three and zero against Bill as a coach? So <laughs> something something like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's just it's tough. They're in a it's on a slippery slope right now. You know, one and five, you go Bills, Dolphins next. So, you know, it's not going to get any easier than it did today. Um, there's too many missed opportunities. It, I, I thought it was it was improved today. I thought the defense did enough to win the football game. You know, offensively, they had opportunities to win the football game, especially early on in the game. Just start really slow. You know, playing from behind once again. It's got to find a way to get off to a fast start, especially offensively, because whenever they dig themselves in a hole, it just takes them way too long to get going. And then they have to make a heroic effort, you know, in the fourth quarter or a final possession to try and win. And right now they don't you know, have that figured out to, to be that team to drive down with, you know, a minute 30 or a minute left in the game to get a field goal or get a touchdown. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because after the delay of game, you have Vidarian Lowe trying to block Max Crosby, who is one of the best pass rushers at the NFL. And then you have Gesicki trying to like yeah, chip him bad, before he goes out for chip. his route. Yeah, it's a yeah, bad Gis- And Gesicki <laughs> can't block to begin with, right? So you got these two guys trying to block one of the most fearsome pass rushers at the NFL. Low coming into today had given up 25 pressures, which was the second most of any tackle in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. And we saw even early on in the game, he gets a false start because he's probably got it in his head like, oh, I'm going to give something up when it comes to this. So the offensive line certainly did not help Mac in this game. And then when you start to think about some of the mistakes they made, like it was better for Mac, but it wasn't a great game. I mean, I th- you think back to the interception, James. I don't know what he's thinking there. I mean, actually, Hunter Henry was open. Yeah, he it's was, almost he was like, open. I yeah, I know he's <laughs> on the move. It's kind of, yeah, it's like yeah. this fadeaway pass. Like, what is he doing? Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was talking about last week a little bit. Whenever he he gets out or he feels a little you know, pressure in the pocket and he gets out and starts scrambling to the right, just throw the ball away. Just live the fight. Another. Even though, you know, Hunter was was open on that play, it wasn't a bad idea, but just from what, you know, he's done so far this year, for me, it's just when you're in that situation, okay, give it a couple, give it like two seconds when you're scrambling outside the pocket. If nobody's there, just throw it away because it just, you know, seems to end up, you know, in the defender's hands at some point or, or a possibility of an interception whenever he does that. So for me, like, I'd much rather him just throw the football away. Obviously, he's just trying to to make plays because they're really struggling to create big plays in this offense. So I feel like that's where it's coming from. But for me, like I said, that was a, a good drive was going on right there. So if, if he just doesn't throw an interception there, maybe they get three points. Maybe they get a touchdown. You know, we don't know. So especially when we're driving the football, which they've struggled to do, put those drives together. If, you, if we're getting four or five plays, we you know, crossing the 50-yard line, no, just don't turn it over. You know, don't try and make a play. Yeah, and the other thing that sticks out to me about this game, and this is a trend that's been going on 
all season, it's not just Mac Jones, but it's the offense in general, is yeah. why can't they get off to faster starts? They had, what, negative seven yards <laughs> yeah. in the yeah. first quarter of the game. Yeah, it's it's the first time ever in the Bill Belichick era that they had zero or fewer yards in the first quarter. And the thing to me is, like, they, they get a penalty on the opening drive as well, which this continues to be a trend with this team yeah, where they continue the to game. get penalized. Yeah, the, but isn't, James, I mean, you've, been in, you've been in these meetings, right? Isn't, like, this the stuff that you feel good about going into the game? Like, descriptive plays, right? You, you feel like this is the stuff we're going to be able to execute. And I don't know if, is it the plays aren't good that they're dialing up? Like, the it's not the right design, what they're trying to do early? Or is it just guys can't ex- – is it as simple as the personnel? <laughs> I mean, only only they know the true answer. I mean, <laughs> the coaches and the players, they're they're the one who know, you know, the plays that are being called, you know, on a day-to-day basis. I, I truly believe they're trying to put them in the best position to go out there and execute the penalties. That's that's all on players. That's effort, you know, sloppy, you know, fundamentals, all that stuff. It's just and if you just don't I feel like if they didn't get that penalty to start off the game, maybe they put themselves in a better chance. It's first and fifteen, like they're already offense that's struggling to put drives together. You start off the game first and 15, yeah, it's probably going to end up in a punt, which they did. Two three and outs to start off the game. Defense getting you the ball back a few times and whatnot, but just just no rhythm. You know, get get the interception, get nothing out of that, don't even drive the ball. So it's, oh, just, yeah. it's just, just no no flow to the offense. It's just, I mean, it goes in spurts. You have, like, one good drive and then a couple bad ones. You have one good drive where it looks really good, then there's nothing there. I mean – I mean, there were some creases in the running game that that drive after halftime. That was that was a really good drive. Yeah. That's that's like kind of what I wanted to see from them. What are they going to do after after halftime? Because that's it's not totally scripted, but you have an idea what you know. You go in there at halftime. Okay, we're going to do this to start off the drive. We're going to get such and such in there. We we see what they're trying to do. That type of thing and try and create something in that in that form and fashion. Ramadre rips off a run. Zeke had a couple, then he ends up you know punching it in. So I said they have. Guys to make plays. KB had a had a big day today. A lot of yeah. you know catch and run plays, which you know I kind of talked about last week. If they can't get the shots down the field, hey, just you know get the ball to them quickly. Let guys you know make guys miss and create yards that way. I mean Zeke had a big one too. That was a that was a BS holding call on Hunter on that that long uh, touchdown reception. Yeah. That, that was that was a flop. But if they get a big play like that, I feel like that maybe uplifts them a little bit because they've been struggling to create plays like that, you know, all year long. Yeah. And it's always, every time it feels like, okay, maybe they're going to put a drive together. Cause we saw a couple of them today. We saw two good drives. Although I will say this, actually, let's address this first. Why were they going so slow? On oh, yeah, their touchdown the, the, yeah. The touchdown what? drive. Did they to, not realize they were down two scores, but that's, that's what it's been like all year long. Not even when it's a drive to go, you know, be down by, two points or, you know, be take the lead. It's just everything just seems really lethargic and, and really slow when they get up to the line of scrimmage. There's no emphasis, no <laughs> urgency. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what – I know that's probably not what they're being coached to do, but it just seems like they're just all trying to get completely on the same page and it's like three, two, one, and they snap it. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's like a communication thing between Mac and the office line, the receivers, you know, motion shifts, all that. They had a couple, you know – miscommunications there on that drive as well with the shift and Mac snapped it a little too early. So they definitely got to get that figured out, especially in the red zone. I mean, they got bailed out on the rough in the passion. That's what ended up giving them the touchdown at that point. But yeah, it just has to be better execution down there, especially after last season. They really stinked it up last year in the red zone. That was what, the worst red zone office in the yeah. league. So 
Yeah, they got to they got to clean that up too. At least they got there today. It had been a yeah, couple games. They did get there. Two they had two, eight right? red zone trips coming into this game. <laughs> Think about that. Eight in the red zone. Not even like, hey, they weren't creating when they got there. They were in the red zone eight <laughs> times prior to today. And then That's you start enough. to think about the fact that they went scoreless for 12 quarters. That's the equivalent of three football games. The yes. last touchdown they had prior to the one they got today, the touchdown that they had there in the second half, was the Farrell Brown touchdown, which I feel yeah. like that was a lifetime ago when yeah, Farrell Brown had that touchdown. That was yeah. a long time ago. That was just a good play design, blown coverage, that type of thing. So, yeah, yes, yeah, just trying to trying to make it like when they – when they have their opportunities, like the one that they had with DP towards the end of the game, you know, DP, he's a good enough player to, to make that catch. He just has to find a way to come down with it because if they make that play right there, who who knows what happens. Then you possibly get in field goal range a couple plays later and, you know, Chad could possibly make a kick to to win the football game. So if you're a team who's really struggling to create those that type of separation or, you know, that type of play call to get guys behind the defense, when you have your one chance to do it, you got to make it. Yeah. And look, at least you give yourself a chance if Devontae yeah. Parker catches the ball. You don't have to go that much further, right? I mean, yeah. you'd be up to about, what was it, about the 45-yard line. You yeah, have a real opportunity. And it just, yeah, they had chances in this game. I mean, we go back to the interception. You took three points off the board. You're in field yeah. goal range if you're Mac Jones. Like, you got to realize where you're at on the field. Yeah. And then the other thing that I would say about Parker, I'm almost, I'm almost to the point now that they're 1-5. and five, It's like, maybe do we embrace the youth a little bit, play Taekwon Thornton a little bit more? You look at this game today. I thought the play action pass down the field to Thornton. I was thinking to myself when Mac threw that, what are you doing? Just put it in bounds. Give him a chance <laughs> yeah, to yeah, make yeah, the yeah. play. Good idea. It, I, I thought he just waited a little too long to throw. I mean, a guy that's that's that fast, you get to the top of the drop, you just gotta just gotta let it rip. He's just kinda like waiting. I mean, that's I said that's probably a lot of the issues that have been going on. Like he's just waiting for the perfect picture to throw the football when, hey, you got the play action call, probably I didn't see the can't see the whole play call from the TV copy, but it looked like it was two goes. Just let it fly. That's that's what the play call is for. Maybe get a. I know Marcus Peters is a pretty good corner at you know tracking the ball and creating plays like that. So maybe that kind of scared him off a little bit. But just let it fly. Maybe get a pi and like get a big chunk of yards off of that if you just put the ball in bounds and see what he can do. Yeah, the one thing I am happy about in this game is we saw Malik Cunningham. There was a package for him. Which I like that they had some plays for him, and none of them worked. Yeah, they didn't all work, but at least there was something. There was some creativity. And you mentioned, hey, you know what? They threw it to the Kendrick Bourne guy because he's good at football. We said this last week. Simplify it. Throw it to your good player. So that if you're going to take a positive from a one and five football team, that would be it. That's going to do it for the local angle here on FanDuel TV for Philly Special. The full go, off the pike, and New York, New York. I'm JJ Challenge Stemsky signing off. We'll catch you next week. Be good, everybody.